discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Can they be seated? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, back to the Ark of the Covenant. Let's display the picture. Now, you know that the Ark was carried wherever they were going. They had to carry it on their shoulders. And as we leave this place, I want to teach you how you can carry the Ark wherever you go. You carry the Ark. It is called the Ark of Testimony. You know why? Because the Ark is the testimony of Christ, of Jesus Christ. To carry the Ark means that you are, you are, you are bearing the testimony of Jesus Christ wherever you go. You, you are bearing his testimony. So we need to carry the Ark. Carry the Ark into your home. Carry the Ark to your office. Carry the Ark to your business. Carry the Ark to your cosmic. Wherever you go, that you must carry the Ark. The Ark. Everywhere. Why? You bear the testimony of Jesus wherever you go. You carry his testimony to your, your roommate. You carry his testimony to your family. Everywhere you carry his testimony. Now look at something. You see here, it's a ring. And this place is a ring. There's a ring here. And there's a ring here. There's a ring here. You see, this, this, is, a, this is what they used to carry. They hold to carry the ark. But the pole goes through a ring. There's a ring here and there's a ring here. And on the other side also, there's a ring. There's a ring. You know what ring means in the Bible? Now when you read Ephesians 1 verses 14. Which is the... Now he's speaking about the Holy Spirit from 13. Now look up. Yeah. In whom he also trusted, after that he had a word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that he, he believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is, verse 14, which is the engagement ring. Now the word NS is the word for ring. Ring. The Holy Spirit is our ring. He said how the ring is. The ring stands for the eternal spirit. The ring is round this way. You don't know, you don't know what, there's no beginning, there's no end. And ring stands for the eternal spirit. Praise God. Yeah. Now what it means is that the only way we can carry or the only way that we can bear the testimony of Christ is through the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Yeah. Now how many people have witnessed before? Have, you have evangelized. You have won a soul. How many of you have gone to preach the gospel before? Okay, not, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that some hands are not lifted. But every one of you must preach the gospel or must be a witness of Jesus. 
To bear the ark means that you carry Jesus and you give Jesus to people. You carry Jesus wherever you are. The ark of testimony means you testify of the ark. You testify of Christ. You are a witness of Christ. Both in your life and in your testimony. You testify of Christ. Praise God. Now, do you know why it is, it is in rings? Rings stands for the spirit. The only way you can preach the gospel or testify of Christ is through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Ghost is the one, is the one who gives conviction. Sometimes you can preach him. You can talk and talk and talk and talk. While you're talking, the person is sleeping. And the person asks you, are you done? It can be very discouraging. Whilst you're preaching, the person is dozing. After that, oh, are you done? This guy cries, you just quickly stand up. And they can't wait for you to go. When they went to preach somewhere, they, they felt like we were talking too much. They even pour urine on us. Urine. So, so we, we, we just, so I stand somewhere and if someone's watching it, they are coming. So we can run away from the urine. But when you pray and you are filled with the Spirit, the word becomes so powerful. Father Jesus loves you. And that alone can pierce the heart. Praise God. So we, we testify of Christ by the Spirit. Don't go for evangelism if you have not spent time praying. But it doesn't mean that when you're sitting in a taxi and the Holy Ghost tells you to preach someone, you tell yourself, oh, Holy Ghost, let me go home and pray. You lose that person. <laughs> let me go home and pray and come. No. You just have to yield to the Holy Spirit and preach the gospel. Now look at me. Look at it carefully. So this is the Holy Spirit carrying a testimony through the spirit life. But this is wood. There is this is wood. The poles are wooden poles. So the four people carry it on their shoulder and they travel in the wilderness. Wood. What did I say wood is? He's telling us how to bear the testimony, how you can carry the ark. When you're carrying the ark, you have to carry the ark in the humanity of Christ. You know what it means? The human character, his patience, his meekness, his gentleness, that's how you have to bear. You see? The Bible says in 1 Peter 3 verse 15 that sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. With all meekness and fear. What it means is that if someone approaches you concerning Christ, he says you have to Answer with meekness and fear. Now that's the pole, the gentleness of Christ. You have to be very gentle and meek. Because when you're going to preach, someone can even provoke you. And you start some unnecessary argument and they'll go like, ah, this guy is he a Christian at all. You have lost your testimony. So he's talking about the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. It takes skill to bear his testimony. Now in those days in China, it was difficult for the missionaries to, missionaries to preach in China in those days. In fact, they called the Chinese the missionaries foreign devils. They called them foreign devils. So this, this is what happened. If in a community, so missionaries come to preach, they have an alarm and they will sound the alarm. If you hear the alarm, it means missionaries are around. Then you have to lock your doors. So they do the, <laughs> nobody comes to convince and persuade you. So the missionaries were finding it, finding it so difficult to preach the word. Because the moment they get there, they will say, hear the alarm, and everyone will shut the door. You can't see any human being passing. <laughs> so the missionaries devised a method. So they don't go in groups, they go one-one. 
So they, they would sneak behind someone's house. Normally, families in China had um, milestones where they used to grind wheat and barley. It was a very difficult process. So these missionaries would quickly go to the milestones and they would start grinding their wheat for them. So when they come and they, they see these this, uh, um, um, foreign devils, they go like, ah, if these foreign devils can be serviceable this way, then they are good devils. <laughs> so they see their serviceability and they accept them. They don't preach the gospel, gospel immediately. They accept them. And through humility and service, gradually the gospel penetrated China. This is what it means to carry the wood. The meekness and the gentleness of Christ. So sometimes you, you are going to preach the gospel. The person can just insult you. You can lose your temper and go like, ah, I the only one who needs to be saved. Who, who, what, what the, who the hell? You know, you can lose that soul. <laughs> so it takes, <laughs> the Bible says that in 2 Timothy 2 verse 24, the servants of the Lord must not strive, but must be gentle. So, you have to be gentle in bearing the testimony of Christ. Praise God. In those days, there was a movement called the Moravian Movement. Those people, it is through them that John Wesley, you know, the Methodist Movement, John Wesley gave his life to Christ. How many of you know John Wesley? Yeah, it was through the Moravians. This was in the 1800s. 1827. These guys, you know what they did? They were big, big people. But because they wanted to win souls, they would be on the ship. And they would devote themselves to carry the luggage, the backs of the passengers. So they go like, oh, please, can I help you? It's not their duty. But can I help you? And these passengers will sometimes step on boots, give them a boot, slap them, insult them. But they never responded. They would stand up, they would push them down, but they would stand up and smile and say, oh, we are sorry. For, we are sorry. Because even our Lord went through worse shame than we are going through. They had a will. They went through all sufferings just for the testimony of Christ. That's the character of Christ. Hallelujah. Yeah. So sometimes just you see someone who is not smiling, sit with the person and start engaging the person in a conversation. In the midst of it, share your testimony about how Christ has transformed your life. And the person will be blessed. Are you here with me? But you see, this place is voodoo, but it is overlaid with gold. There is gold that is on it. It's overlaid with gold. <laughs> that means in evangelism, you don't only have to go with the humanity of Christ. You have to go with the divinity of Christ. <laughs> Do you know what it means? You don't only have to be gentle and polite and kind and open. You also have to go with the divinity of Christ. You also have to go and manifest his power. And it's simple. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So you must carry, we must bear his testimony everywhere. I'm telling you, you must carry his presence everywhere. You must carry Jesus everywhere. Whether in your homes or in your office or in, in, in your class, wherever you must send Jesus. I pray if after this meeting you will preach the gospel everywhere. Jesus. Remember, he that winneth soul is wise. The gospel is our calling, it is the great commission. But I'm telling you that it is carried by the Spirit. When you pray and you are refreshed, when you speak, it goes with strong conviction. Not only that, if you can bear the pole, the pole means that you carry testimony through his humanity, through his gentleness, his meekness. 
in a good composure. Hallelujah. Sometimes it, it takes some suffering or some denials before the gospel can go. Someone may, res- I mean, may slap you or may insult you, but be in a good composure. So that is the humanity of Christ, his meekness, his gentleness. But that's not only that. I told you that the pole is also covered with gold. There is gold overlaid in certain portions. That means that we don't go preaching the gospel only in, we don't go bearing the testimony only with his humanity, but also with his deity. That means that wherever you go, you can manifest his power. Power. Now last week I had a testimony from um, um, Pastor Inoka Diboye, Nigeria. What was the name of the church? Um, Redeemed Christian Church of God. So he sent some people to go and preach the gospel, to evangelize, and they went. Then he told them that when you go, whoever, don't get into argument, but if anyone says that I don't believe in Jesus, I don't believe that Jesus is the Savior, I don't believe he's God, just this is what you have to do, ask the person, do you have any problem in life? If the person says yes, then they go like, all right, let me pray. If my Jesus answers you, then, it, then can, you can follow him. If, that, if he doesn't answer you, you can deny him. Hallelujah. So that is what he told them to do. So these two guys went to evangelize and they went into the house of a fetish priest. Can you imagine? <laughs> and the fetish man says that, said that, hey, are you not afraid of me? Have you heard of me? Why do you come here preaching to me? Do you know who I am? <laughs> do you know who I am? And haven't you heard of me, what I can do? So the man opposed them vehemently, rejected the gospel. Then these two people said, all right, sir, and by the way, I know you don't want our Jesus, but let, let me ask you a question. Do you have any problem in life? And the man said, of course, everyone has a problem. <laughs> then he asked, what is your problem? He says, hmm, I've married 17 wives. <laughs> but whoever I marry, if the person takes seed to be pregnant, the God will kill the person. And the 17th one is in the room and she's bleeding. Then these two young people said, okay, we'll pray for you. Because our Jesus, if our Jesus heals you, then you follow him. Then you will know that he's truly the savior. If he doesn't, you can choose to ignore him. So, well, let's see. So just, 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 simply, they just closed their eyes and said, Father, honor your word. Simple prayer. And they just left. They left to that another person to preach the gospel. So while they were preaching the gospel in another place, within a few minutes, the fetish priest ran to them and said, why are they, why are they, why are they? And called them out and told them that, Mysteriously, his, his wife was bleeding in the room near to death. But when he got inside, the bleeding has stopped. And she has stood up. And she is strong and she's not, she's not dying again. Then, then she gave his life, he gave his life to Christ. And the community also followed Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. Listen, do you know that you can do what I, said, I just told you? It's simple. You are not the one doing it. It's Jesus who is doing it. It can simply happen. So you can go somewhere and ask, oh, do you have any problem? My Lord, just encourage it. My, my Lord can do it. Let's pray and you see. It's as simple as that. I'm a large economy, ho. I, I'm, I'm urging you by the gospel of Christ.
just go every to your environment, environs, home, house to house, community to community, institutions to institutions. Just go in the humility and the power of Christ. In the humanity of Christ, his human, and in his deity, the explosion of his power. Just go bearing his testimony. This is what they are called to do. How many of you bear the ark of testimony? Bearing his testimony everywhere. It's so simple. Listen, it's so Just go and say, okay, let me pray for you. Sometimes don't hold your Bible and go and say, let me preach to you. No, just get into conversation. Are you all right? Especially if you see someone who's not smiling. Are you all right? Is everything fine? Oh, why are you? Just get into conversation. Encourage the person. Say, my Lord will do it. I can even pray right now and he will do it right now. Do you believe it? It happens. Yeah. If someone has broken heart, that's the best time. Tell the person that they go closest another one door, he opens a better door. <laughs> a better door. Yeah. Don't worry. So encouragement, encouragement, and share the gospel. But make it, personalize it. Share how you have been transformed. Like the woman, the Samaritan woman. She said, come, see a woman who told me all things I ever did. Is this not a Christ? She never entered into doctrinal issues and arguments. This is who I was, and this is who I am now. Is this not a Christ? <laughs> say, share your testimony, and then they will transform. That is how to bear the ark of testimony. Hallelujah. Why? Because you see, the Bible speaks of the testimony of Jesus, then it speaks of the testimony of Christ. They are two different things. Revelation 19, verse 10 is the testimony of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 6, the testimony of Christ. Yeah, so we need to bear both testimony. Revelation speaks of the testimony of Jesus Christ. The testimony of Jesus is about his human living. He becoming a man, his incarnation, his human living. But the testimony of Christ is about his deity and his anointing. Hallelujah. That's why I describe that go in that humility and in that meekness. At the same time, manifest his power. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, there is something they did. You see, where's the ark? You know where the ark is supposed to be carried? On shoulders. But David made a big mistake. You know what David did? When they were going to bring the ark, they put the ark on two cows and a cat. C-A-R-T. Not a cat. <laughs> wheels and bolts were, wheels and bolts were carrying the ark. And a man tried to touch the ark and the man died instantly. And David later on wrote and said, ah, we didn't do it after the due order. Because the due order in the Bible is that the ark must be carried by the shoulders of men. You know why? God wants us to carry the testament of Christ on our shoulders. You know what it means? He wants us to have relation, closeness and relation on our shoulders. When the things on your shoulders, there's intimacy. There's closeness to it. When a thing is on a cart, it speaks of distance. That means you are separated from the ark. You are, there's a separation, there's a distance from you and the ark. But he wants men to bear the ark. That means they are with the ark. They share in intimacy, in closeness with the ark. 
the testimony of Christ is that men who have known him and men who have lived his life. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Carry his testimony. On our shoulders to exalt him for everyone to see him. On our shoulders to exalt him for everyone to show him. That is to say, it is men who, we men who are saved, we must reveal Christ to the world. Uh, most of the time, the church, instead of causing men to bear the ark on their shoulders, the church is, you know, the mistake of the church, we are putting the ark on wheels and boats. That's what David did and said, we made a mistake. Wheels and boats. Structures. Structures and systems. Organizational structures. Sometimes, and you know, you are in a community, you see a nice church building. Oh, this is the church. Wow. The church is talking about Jesus is there. You go inside, you see a nice carpet, nice keyboard, nice piano. All that they know is that, oh, this, this is the church. Oh, so this is talking about, so the Christians are here. It's about church. It's about church. It's about church. We call it wheels and boards. God didn't ordain that instruments and carpet and nice buildings should reveal Christ. It is men who must be raised and who must live the life of Christ, who must carry his testimony to others. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's not just having, it's good to have nice, nice places like this place. Oh, but the testimony is born by men who are living witnesses, who know him, not in the distance. How many of you are following me? On your shoulders. Carry them. You know why? Because David learned it from the Philistines. When they were bringing the ark from the Philistines, they put it on, on two cows and a cat. So instead of learning from what the Bible has done, David learned from the Philistines. We don't operate by what the world is doing, we operate by what scripture is concerning our lives. The Philistines put it on, <laughs> but there was a distance between them and the ark. They were afraid. In the Bible, the Philistines speaks of the flesh, uncircumcised Philistine. Philistines always is a symbol of the flesh. Uncircumcision speaks of the flesh. The flesh always puts a distance between God's presence. The flesh doesn't want close proximity with his presence. But he wants the ark to be born on our shoulders. We know him. We carry his testimony. We live his life. Hallelujah. One day, now when David was going for the ark, you know what he did? Another mistake he made. He consulted with all the elders and the leaders in Israel that he was going for the ark, but he didn't consult God. It's amazing. The Bible says that he consulted with the elders of Israel and with the people of Israel, but he didn't consult God. So he was doing the right thing, but wrong method. Let me show you. Sometimes you want to make a decision in your life. You talk to everybody about the decision you want to make, but you never talk to God about it. You want to go and do your masters. Speak to your friends, speak to your parents, speak to lecturers. Oh, is it good to do masters? But have you prayed? Have you prayed? Or that lady is a very nice lady I want to go out with. Your friends are endorsing it. Everyone is endorsing it, but have you prayed? One day, an elderly person told me that 
to consider a nice lady. I wasn't married married yet. And of course the lady was very nice. So when I went home, I started thinking about the, about the lady. I started thinking. Because for it to come from that person, it's a big deal. <laughs> Praise God. The lady resembled an Indian. But she's a Ghanaian. So we give we give her a nickname. We call her Indiana. In fact, one day, one day, there was this supermarket, and someone she went with this person, and this person said, "Oh, I want to buy something with my, I want to buy something for my Indian friend." There was a real Indian, and was this lady and a man. The man said, "I want to buy something for my Indian friend." The supermarket person asked this lady, "What? Oh, are you the Indian person?" Meanwhile, what the Indian person was there. So she resembled an Indian more than the Indian. You, you understand? So we used to call her Indiana. <laughs> so this honorable person, this honorable person advised me to consider Indiana. So when I went home, I was <laughs> listen, when I went home, when I put my head on the pillow, I, I was never I had a vision. I just heard a voice from the Lord. Rise up from going down to Indiana. So, I, I stood up. I said, God has a sense of humor. So God has a sense of humor. He said, rise up from going down to Indiana. So, I, 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 so what is this? Ah, I started smiling. I said, God has a sense of humor. <laughs> God was using the person's nickname. So it means that if I had gone out with her, I would have been going down in my life. <laughs> but it was, so even if a respectable person suggests someone to you, that's not the end. Pray. Pray. Can the Hagen of Blessed Memory said he was passing the church and all the elders of the church proposed a lady for him to marry. So this lady is so decent. We've seen her life in the church. She's so she her life and her manner of doing things is karma. He stood up at the podium to preach and lifted his head and God opened his eyes and saw the woman coming from a hotel. She's going to sleep with a man from the hotel, just come out of the hotel. But nobody knew her secret. So why do you consult everyone without not first having consulted God? Listen, prayer shouldn't be your last resort. It must be your first response. So David consulted with everyone and everybody and all the leaders to go and bring the ark except God. So they went for the ark. Go home and read the whole story of the ark. How they went for, they went for the ark. And when they went, you know what they did? They started jubilating. They were dancing. David was dancing. They were dancing all around and they picked the ark from the city of the forest. They picked the ark. But, hmm, it wasn't long when Uzzah tagged the ark and died and then he became afraid. You know why? When David found the ark, he was praising God. But David did a mistake. I'll show you the mistake he did. 
He took the ark, but there was no sacrifice. There was no blood sacrifice. They were present before the ark, but they didn't offer any blood sacrifice. That was the second mistake he did. You know why? You can praise and worship God, but the center of our praise and worship is the cross. It's what Jesus did. So you thank God for everything, but let the center, everything you did, because of what Jesus did, because of Jesus, because of Jesus. Thank you for your death for me. Thank you for what you have done for me. That's the center of everything. So you why? So now, when Uzzah touched the ark, the name Uzzah means man's strength. <laughs> when he touched the ark and died, David was afraid. So they picked the ark and went to put it in the house of Obed, Obed Edom. You know why Uzzah touched the ark? Because the ark was in the house of Abinadab. That is his relative. So he was so used to the ark that he thinks the ark is common. So he just touched it, but he died. Sometimes you can be so familiar with the anointing that you can, com- you can commonize the anointing. Your pastor is so around you, so you can be so familiar with your pastor that sometimes you don't even regard what you, oh, pastor, <laughs> pastor. You just, you are. <laughs> a, a certain man told me that, hey, those days before he married, when he even raised his hands, the, the, the wife, they were going out. Before, when he even raised his hands, mistakenly the wife will be fallen by the power of God. He said, but right now, if he's even touching a wife, the wife asks, ah, what is it? Is it a mosquito? <laughs> <laughs> After when pastor comes to your house, hey, pastor, pastor. <laughs> now, now, when pastor comes, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> no matter how down to earth your pastor is, don't get familiar. Otherwise, do not even regard what he says. And David was so afraid to take the ark. So you know what he did? He took the ark to the house of Obed Edom. Three months, the guy had prospered. <laughs> and David was shocked. Now, you know why? Let me show you why he prospered. He had prospered. Now Josephus, the historian, tells us the secret to Obed Edom's prosperity. Obed Edom, you know what his name, his name means? Obed means Seth. Edom means blood. Obed Edom means the one who serves the blood. The one who serves the blood. Blood sacrifice. Now what he did was that when the ark went to his house, he started sacrificing. Now, Josephus tells us that the guy was too poor. Now, in Israel, when you were the poorest, and you have nothing to sacrifice, to send, you give fine flour. So cheap. The next level is you give a dove. The doves were even free. You can catch a dove. The next level is to give a lamb. But the highest is to give a bullock. So it depends on your, your, your state, your, how wealthy you are, then you send a sacrifice. So he tells us that he was so poor that when he saw the ark in his house, he first sent something small, fine flour. But by the next week he was prospered. Then he sent a dove. By the following week he prospered. Then he sent a, a lamb. By the following week he had prospered. He sent a bullock. He started giving bullocks. And the blessing had come in. <laughs> Started coming, offering. After, after, after three months, he was massively blessed. So David was shocked. The ark killed one person. Why has he saved this person? 
So he learned that, ah, it's the blood. So they went back to fetch the ark. This time around, you know what David did? From the house of Obed-Edom to Jerusalem was 12 miles. You know what he did? They would walk one, two, three, four, five, six, and stop and offer seven bullocks, seven oxen. <laughs> <laughs> Spiritually greedy. <laughs> and I, I want how they did that. Six pieces they'll stop. They sacrifice blood. They realize that ah, it is through the blood, the blood of Jesus, what he has done. It is through the blood that our prosperity comes, our blessing comes, our well being. Wow. Wow. And David did that until 12 miles. I wonder how they got there. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you see, that's the power of the blood. But I like how he did it. He gave and gave and gave and gave. I had a vision when I was coming, man of God. In a vision, I saw two people this, this guy talking in, in this congregation. I don't know whether it is you, but I saw two people in that conversation. And one was saying that in this ministry, I'm really going to, in future, I'm, I want God to really use me. One was telling the other, other person what was on his heart, how that he is believing God that God will use him to bless the ministry and bless pastor. Now, he, stopped, he was just expressing his heart desire, seeing the big things he wants to do for the ministry, for God, and how he wants to bless pastor, and all was in the future. But in a vision, I heard the Lord saying that you have to begin now. Not in a big way, but little by little. Begin from your own level and grow in it. That's what I saw. Because you see, if you say, oh, in future, I'm going to give God this, or I'll give this ministry this, or I'll give this to my uh, pastor, it will never come. But start, God respects where you are. Give at your own level, and God appreciate and grow in it. Brethren, that's what I saw. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what I saw. But you carry the ark of his presence wherever you are. But listen, let me tell you something. The ark is very heavy. It's 288 pounds. It is impossible for four people to carry the ark. Heavy. So the Bible says that it's heavy. By the time you walk for 10 minutes, you have to put it down. You can't. So when you read the Bible, the Bible says, God helped them. Supernaturally, as they were carrying it, God was carrying it. Malama Shata. Man of God, I read a book by Rejoiner, The Touch and the Sword. In Rejoiner's book, The Touch and the Sword, he was talking about the touch, God's presence. Now, this is what he said in a vision, something that blessed me. God gave him the touch, that was his presence. But he put a touch down and went as away for a while. Later on, he was coming to carry the touch, and the touch was heavier for him. He couldn't carry it. And Jesus told him that anytime you leave it, the more you leave it, the more it becomes heavy. Because the touch is heavier than the world. So when he now started gazing on Jesus, it became as light as a paper. That's how his presence is. Listen. Every time, every morning you have your quiet time and you pray, you spend time with the Lord. 
But if you stop for one week, now those of you who have stopped for one week before, tell me how you felt. <laughs> it's become very heavy. Sometimes to come back to that position again, sometimes as if it will take forever. You don't even know how. You stop for one week, but sometimes it, it takes three months to get back to that same place. So in the name of being busy, don't leave the place of prayer and the place of intimacy with the Lord. The letter time you have, spend it in a way, quality time with undivided attention. Every day. If you stop for three days, something will be changing. Something will be changing. Brethren, your time in the Word and in prayer must be your first priority. You must give it more priority than your breakfast, your lunch, and supper. You must give the Word a priority more than your, your lunch, more than your breakfast. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. When we were young, we used to say, no Bible, no breakfast. But don't worry when you take your breakfast, but just that you have to still go to the Bible. Very important. Because if you leave it, it becomes heavier. Or have you prayed alone for one hour before? In your room? Have you prayed alone for two hours before? Okay. Then, maybe you, you pray for one hour, then later on, you never pray again after three months and you want to pray for one hour. <laughs> it's the most difficult thing in the world. You pray for three just two minutes, you start yawning. Now, now, that is when 15 minutes becomes like three hours. You pray, ah, when you watch the time, it's only 15 minutes. You pray, but you see, if you are constantly in his presence, ah, one hour is gone, but you thought you prayed for 15 minutes, but before you realize one hour is gone. Why? Because the torch is now lighter. We are constant. May you always be in the presence of God. And never be moved away from anything to the glory of God. May you keep it jealously. In every way, even in Jesus' name, the Son of God. Hallelujah. Now listen, in the Old Testament, all the items in the, in, in the tabernacle were covered. Now this time, when they were going, don't think, now, now follow me carefully. Hmm. When they were traveling, it wasn't exposed like that. No. When they were traveling, they covered it with a veil. A veil. A veil. A veil. That's why Jesus, when he was on earth, he was veiled. Have you ever read Hebrews 10 verse 20? And the veil purchases flesh. His flesh is the veil. So when he walked the earth, he is the very God of very God. But men never knew he was God. Because the veil of the flesh concealed his deity. The veil, that is to see his flesh. It concealed his deity. Why? Because the ark was covered with veil. After the veil, that wasn't all. The second thing was, it was covered with badger's skin. Say badger. Do you know anyone called badger? <laughs> Hallelujah. The word badger is a skin of an animal that is not nice at all. It's not nice. Now, the skin of lion is nice. The skin of tiger is nice. You see the skin of a lion, people even use it for kinship. It's on the shoulders of people. Yeah. And leopard and all. But when it comes to badger, badger skin, 
It's not a nice one bit. When you see it, ah, what is this? Hmm. It speaks of Jesus. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. You know, in Ezekiel 16, verse, verse, verse 10 to 12, the badger skin was used to make sandals. <laughs> it speaks of that which is lowly and humiliated. He, he, he took the form of a lowly servant. That's Jesus. So the badger speaks of that which is despised. Now, not only the Ark of the Covenant, but all the items in the tabernacle were covered with badger skin. Do you know why? Listen. I told you that the items, the tabernacle speaks of the work of Christ. Each of them was covered with badger skin. Do you know that the things of the Spirit does not approve at all to men? Proof. It's not appealing. That's a badger. You don't even desire it. Let's talk about giving and receiving. Someone will say, buy treasure bill. Make good savings. Is it reasonable? Save for your future. Is it reasonable? Very good. But all of us tell you that no, give more attention to giving and receiving. Give. Go and give to your pastor. Give first to God and give to your pastor. What are you talking about? Why should I give to a human being to chop my money? We are talking about savings and investment. What are you talking about? Secure your future. Why? The things of the spirit is foolishness to men. What about divine healing? Are you feeling something? In Jesus' name. In, believe in Jesus' name. Go to the nearest pharmacy. You are just doing Jesus and Jesus' name. <laughs> a certain man saw a husband mowing his field. And he looked through the window and saw that the husband was just on the floor and the mowing machine was moving. <laughs> so he rushed and saw the husband gone. If it was you, what would you do at that time? The woman just remembered that, ah, it's in the Bible that we shall lay hands on the sick and it shall recover. So she laid hands and said, Lord, you said I will lay hands on the sick and it shall recover. So I now lay hands and I expect recovery now. The husband just woke up and said, what am I doing here? Praise God. You see, when you are not feeling well, prayer must be your first response. Hospital is not bad. There's medical health. God uses it. There's also divine health. But if you feel a sharp pain, what comes to your mind first? Aspirin. <laughs> yeah, you see? Yeah. But, you see, if you are, the things of God are despised by men because they are clothed with a badger. It's not nice. But never be ashamed. So that's, a, that is a true way of God. But when it comes to the Ark of the Covenant, the instruments or the furniture was clothed with badger, including this one. But there's an exception for this one. When it comes to the ark, after the badger, it was covered with a covering of blue. He covered it with, with blue. You know what blue means? Blue is, a heavy, blue is a heavenly color. Blue is a symbol of divinity. So there was something distinct between the rest of the items and the ark. The ark was covered with blue. When we carry the testament of Christ, we are describing that Jesus is the heavenly man. He's not just ordinary man, but he's a divine man. He's not just ordinary man, but he's the God man. As he's of the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. Jesus is God. Hallelujah. There's something unique about him. Tell the world that your Jesus is God. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. Brethren, don't be afraid to do what the Bible says. The Bible is the wisdom of God. And it is foolishness with men. How can I empty my bank account and go and give to God? It's foolishness to men. But there is no investment like the divine investment. Some will say, oh, hmm, you are taking all your money. No, God is not talking about taking my money. It's coming back to me. Why do you believe God for divine healing? Be wise, be wise, be wise. The things of the spirit, it works. God never fails. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You need to experience it personally. Personally. Now, how many of you are enjoying yourself today? Hallelujah. Now let me talk about the dimensions of the act. There's something about the, about, about the dimensions of the act. The dimensions. See the dimensions. Now, look at the act. The, the height. The height of the act is one and a half cubit. And the breadth of the act is one and a half cubit. But the length of the arc is two and a half cubits. Forgive me for all these things. No, don't forgive me. <laughs> the Bible said so. Praise God. Hmm. Now, are you here with me? Are you here? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alright. So we have so we have the breadth and the height. Now the breadth and the height of the arc are the same. It's one and a half cubit. Say one and a half cubit. Okay. So let me start with the breath. The breath is one and a half cubit. Do you know why it is one and a half cubit? You know a cubit in those days is from here. They measured a cubit from the longest finger to your elbow. That's how they measured. It wasn't in centimeters and millimeters or inches. They measured from here to here. Cubit. So you can tell the size, the breadth is from here and here, one cubit and one and a half cubit. Why does it say that? Now, one and a half plus one and a half is three. Is that not so? When you split three into two, it is one and a half. Hmm. You know why? The number three in the Bible is the number of manifestation. Three is man. Now, the number one is a symbol of God. It's one unique God. Out of one, all the numbers come out. But three is the manifestation of God. Because God manifests in triunity. The trion God, or God manifests in three. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So three is the manifestation of God. Praise God. Yet we have three split into two to give us one and a half. You know why the ark is one and a half? It means that when Christ came to the earth, though we saw him, we didn't see all the manifestation of who he is. We only saw a portion of it. Not all. <laughs> Not all. If we had seen all of him, we would have died. No one could have. Because Saul of Tarsus saw him. And he says, his countenance was as the sun. It shined beyond the, the, the noonday, the strength of the sun. At 12 o'clock, his countenance was beyond the sun. So if he had manifested like that, the whole earth would be bent. It would have been bent. John, who leaned on Jesus' bosom, 
saw Jesus in glory, he fell down as dead. The same John who used to sit on him, he, when he saw, he, he just passed out when he saw him. Because the one who walked on here, his glory. What we saw was just, just a little of the manifestation. But then we shall see him face to face. Then we shall see him as the hidden manner. <laughs> There's a part of him that is hidden. Now when John saw him in, in glory in heaven, you see, he was different. His face was as the sun shineth in its strength. His countenance, like the sun. It's beyond the sun. It's just like, that's only comparison. The sun, he created the sun. So the sun speaks of created glory. We are speaking of the uncreated glory. He is the sun. Can you just imagine? And he spoke, he said his words. All of this is, is in John 1, he, uh, Revelation 1. His word was like sharp two-edged sword. When he, but when he was on earth, look at how he spoke. Sharp two-edged sword. In Revelation 1. Now the word sharp, you know, the word sharp, you know, the, the, the word sharp, you have to go down. Because of time, I didn't want us to read all. So go ahead with Revelation chapter 1, from 13 downwards, you see everything. The, the word sharp, his words are like sharp to edge sword. You know, the word sharp in Greek is a word for sanitizer. So when Jesus speaks, sanitizer comes out of his mouth. Not, not physical sanitizer. When you hear Jesus, you can't get a coronavirus. Because his word sanitizes you. <laughs> it's a sharp two-edged sword. The word sharp is the word for sanitizer. Or for something healing, something medicinal or medical or health. Can you imagine? And the two-edged, you know, it, it, the word of God is a two-edged sword. Makatada. Now when you see Jesus, you become like him. Is that not so? So Paul taught Timothy that in, in Titus, Titus 2 verse 8, sound words that cannot be condemned. When you are speaking, he says, speak sound words which cannot be condemned. Uh, he that is on the contrary path may be ashamed, have no evil thing to say. The words, it's not sound speech, it's health, healthy speech. So you too, when you speak, you can release sanitizer, health. You speak like a dispensing chemist. You give divine antibiotics. That means that when you speak words, people are encouraged. When you speak, people are edified. When you speak, wow, your words have long-lasting effects on people. So be careful with your words. We have so much to learn about Jesus, is that not so? And when John saw his feet, his feet was like brass. Fine brass. Everything about him matters. Fine brass is a very heavy metal. That shows you how Jesus works in heaven. If it is fine brass, then you have to be working like this. Because it's very heavy. If your feet is fine brass, you don't walk like this. You don't walk this way. No, fine brass means you are walking. In Revelation 1, his feet is fine brass. You know why? Brass is a symbol of judgment in the Bible. That in Jesus is not haste, he's not quick to bring judgment on anybody. So you have to walk like Jesus. Don't pass judgment and see people in their fault. Look at what he said. Look at what he has done. Look at him. Jesus is not like that. Slow. Slow. Like brass. And the word brass is the Greek word choco libanos. Cho choco is brass. Libanos is 
incense or frankincense. You know frankincense? What is frankincense in the Bible? Prayer. Psalm 141 verse 1. Prayer in the Bible is incense. So what it means is that whilst he's slow to condemn you, he doesn't condemn, he doesn't judge. He's slow. He's praying that you will escape it. He's praying. So when you see people in their thoughts, don't go talking to others. Oh, look, look, look at Pastor this, look at Elder this, look at Leader this. Look, instead of gossiping here and there, go to your closet and pray for them. Hallelujah. Brethren, one day we'll see his glory. It's all about him. Then, let me show another measurement. We'll be closing very soon. Don't give up. Then, <laughs> then, the breadth, listen, the breadth and the height are the same size. The breadth is one and a half cubit. The height is one and a half cubit. That's Jesus. You know what it means? The height speaks of his relationship with God. The breadth speaks of his relationship with man. What it means is that with Jesus, how he related to God and how he related to man is evenly balanced and perfectly balanced. There is no imbalance with it. We, do, we normally don't do that. Let me show you why. Sometimes as a leader, you spend all the time with people. Organizing this, making phone calls, checking the auditorium, doing this, let me go and do this. Let me do. You are so engrossed with activity that you spend no time with God. So in your breath, you are seven cubits. But in your height, you are one cubit. So when it comes to your height, you are only one cubit. You spend little time with God. But breath, your dealings with men, it's very long, so thank you. <laughs> so people, it, we can go about doing ministry or doing work or even in our business. We are so engrossed and engrossed and engrossed. But where does the impact come from? It comes from God. It comes from God. So Jesus will spend time with people and he go the whole night praying with God. The more busier he was, the more he prayed. And there are others they are always praying. And when they come and want to say, can I talk to you? No, 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 no. Touch not my anointed. Touch not my anointed. They are so spiritual, they feel like they can't. <laughs> so for them, when it comes to height, they are seven cubits. But when it comes to breath, they are dealing with men. Half cubit. So what it means is that, you see, you're dealing with God. Your relation with God must be perfect. So, your ministry to men. Hallelujah. It must be in a very perfect balance. Perfect balance. And that's how Jesus was. He would do ministry. Ah, look at Mark 1. The whole day, yet at dawn. Around 3 a.m., he's awake praying. That's Jesus. Length and breadth. Breadth and height, to see. May that be your test. Don't be so busy you cannot have time to pray. So in this act, the length is two. So we have half half, two and a half cubit. Then we have one and a half cubit. So all is half half half. So two and a half plus two and a half is what? Five. One and a half plus one and a half is what? Three. Do you know that in all the buildings in the Bible, the Ark of Noah, all the measurements were threes and fives. Threes and fives. The Ark of Noah, three, the, the Ark of Moses, the Tabernacle of everything is three and five. Only this one is half half. When you split three, it's one and a half. When you split five, it's two and a half. 
You know what you know what God is saying? That because three and five are the numbers of God's building. All the measurements are multiples of three and five when it comes to either the Ark of Noah or the Tabernacle of Moses. But this one is half half. God is saying that the testimony of Christ is not complete without another half, which is the church. Hallelujah. And finally, look at this thing. Finally, look at this one. It's like a borderline. It's, it's a rim. It is, it is a crown. It's, in, it's a symbol of a crown. Crown, 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 crown. And it keeps whatever is in it, prevents it from falling. Falling. Crown. Two people were crowned in the Old Testament. The kings were crowned. The priest was also crowned. It speaks of Jesus' kingship and priesthood. He uses his kingship and priesthood to keep us from falling. Do you know why you have not fallen? Do you know why with all the dirty thoughts in your head, you have not accomplished them? You see that girl, you think how much like is this girl. It's in your head, but it never comes to pass. Because someone held you not to bring it to pass. <laughs> Whatever evil that intention, before you realize, is gone. Don't think it's you. It's you. Don't think it's you. There was one minister in Cape Coast those days. The, woman, the, the man of God one day said, We have reached in ministry. I don't think I can ever, I can ever fall. How I've worked with God, I'll not fall again. Within two weeks, he has committed adultery. The reason why you are standing is not because of you. It's because of him. He's able to prevent, keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his throne. He's preserving you. In his priesthood, he's making intercession for you. In his kingship, he's preserving you with his power. And I'm telling you, we are protected every now and then. You know, in Psalm 91, how we are protected? He says, He shall cover thee with his feathers. That is your head. Under his wings shall you trust your feet. Then his truth shall be your shield, your side, and shall be your buckler your side this way. So you are covered here, you are covered here, you are covered here, and you are covered here. And a thousand shall fall by your side, ten thousand at your right side. So you are covered all round. And you not be afraid, 360 degrees, you not be afraid of the arrow that fly by what? By day. Nor of the pestilence that walketh by night. So you have day and night. The distraction that wasted at what? Noonday. Or the arrow that flyeth. So when you check Psalm 91, we have day, we have night, we have noon, we have all around the clock, clock we are preserved. He's preserving us. Yeah. The only thing that can prevent you is your unbelief. When you sleep, say, I sleep in Jesus' name. He's covering me with the strength. So I charge you to go and bear the ark of testimony wherever you are. Present, the, present Jesus everywhere. And let him be the center of your life. Lift up your voice and begin to bless him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, firstly, lift up your hands and receive the grace for evangelism. For soul winning. Now, everywhere... You not just win souls, but you carry his presence everywhere. Bearing the testimony of Jesus, the testimony of Christ, 
in his humanity, in his deity. Everywhere you take advantage, receive this grace from heaven in Jesus' name, the Son of God. God lead you supernaturally in a, in a remarkable way to present the gospel wherever you are. You will present the gospel to your friends, to your relatives, to everyone in a, in a skillful, in a supernatural way. In Jesus' name, the Son of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless his holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now receive grace to carry the ark wherever you are. Through the spirit. The ark will not become heavier than you can carry. Because we are always in his presence. Shiba bakata. Shiba bakataya. Shiba bakataya. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Tell Jesus, you are my focus. You are my center. You are my concentration. Anything that is supplanting Christ, take it away. He's a reason for the ministry. He's a reason for your career. He's a reason for your business. He's a reason for your studies. He's a reason for your marriage. He's a reason. He's a reason. He is your ambition. He is your ambition. Not just to become great, but to represent him. It's about Jesus representing him. Representing him. Thank you, Jesus. Representing him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Finally, lift up your hands on high. Just close your eyes and lift up your hands to Jesus. And our mighty Father, will impact grace on this congregation. Every, every need that has lingered in your heart, grace is dispensed right now. I declare you delivered from sicknesses and from bondages and from addictions. Now, whatever is impeding your progress, today the limitation is lift, lifted off in Jesus' name. I will lead you into laughter, into joy, and into smiling. Whatever has delayed, delayed your miracle, we cast every delay in your life in Jesus' name. Now we release the spirit and I command, now let the anointings rest on you strongly in a remarkable way. Now flow freely in the supernatural. Walk freely in the, freely in the supernatural. Let revelation, knowledge be granted to you. Let the spirit of wisdom be given unto you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I release you to go in liberty and in strength. We release upon you apostolic blessing. The peace of God that passeth all understanding. Let it garrison your mind. Let it garrison your heart at this very moment in Jesus' name, the Son of God. Thank you, Jesus. You are blessed in a unique way. You'll never be the same. Your health springs up speedily. Shalom, prosperity, peace of mind, peace in your marriage, peace in your home is yours forever.
Thank you, Jesus, the Son of God. Come on, bless his holy name and give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.